Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm your host, Dr. John Herding, and I have the absolute pleasure of talking to Philadelphia's best sports medicine physicians, physical therapists, strength coaches, and personal trainers. These movement professionals are the leaders driving the healthcare revolution in the Philadelphia region. During each episode, we gain valuable insight into how these individuals are changing the game. Please stop by precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness with a PH Philadelphia to subscribe and learn more. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Rise Education Platform. RISE stands for Rehab Integrated into Sports Education. We offer solutions for business owners who want to bring more athletes into their practice, as well as clinicians to help them better understand how to integrate sports performance metrics into the rehab setting. Our 12-week master's class for clinicians offers solutions for clinicians to begin to implement these ideas right away. And our business mentorships helps business owners figure out the solutions that best suit their business's needs. Visit sportsrehabeducation.com for more information. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Fitness Philadelphia podcast. I'm here, Dr. John Herding, here with our special guest today, Miss Elisa Rose. How are you, Elisa? Thanks for joining us. Um, Elisa is someone that's very special in our Philadelphia fitness community. She has a fitness studio called Art Fitness in North Wilmington, right across the PA line. She's been in business just over 11 years, which is an amazing accomplishment for any small business, particularly a fitness brand. So congratulations on that. Um, So, and we'll get into kind of like some of the things, the challenges and some of the, you know, the evolutions of what she's seen in the last 11 years. But um, to start, um, Miss Elisa, can you please give us a little bit of your origin story, how you came, what made you start to um, open a fitness business, how you came to be where you are, because now you have, um, you know, much more on the horizon, which I'm excited to tell people about, but it just you, it seems like in this, these 11 years, you've built something really special, which has now become the foundation for more of more things that you're taking on. Um, can you just give us a history of kind of your origin story and how you came to be where you are? Absolutely. Well, first, I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. Um, So my story is very interesting. I come from corporate world. So I've spent a lot of years global uh, investment financing, every aspect of corporate you could imagine. And growing up in a household where fitness and being active was a must, I had the visual of what it looked like to be physical, to be active, to care about your body and really put movement first. So working in corporate world, you do a lot of sitting, you see a lot of people's gait, gain, uh, gain weight and their weight fluctuate. So then I just started looking at the industry as a whole and figured out what was missing. And to me, what was missing over 11 years ago was that personal touch, having a facility where you could go to that cared more about how much your membership was a month or what that bottom line of that facility was. And I went on a long one year long research where I researched gyms in the UK, in Canada, in different parts of the US. And what really intrigued me were the boutique style fitness studios where they weren't crowded. They didn't look like your traditional gym. And it was more of a community outreach or a community atmosphere. And then when I looked in Delaware and closer parts to me of Pennsylvania, you didn't see those. 
So it really got me excited and really got me motivated to target that demographic that was looking for a personal touch, someone who cared about their overall health, whether it be physical, mental, whatever aspect you were going to, and could meet you right where you are and help you live a fuller, more active life. So that motivated me to open Art Fitness. Oh, I love it. And when you were doing that, did you have a specific demographic that you had in mind? Um, I wanted to target individuals who felt out of place in a normal gym, who hated the crowds, who wanted to go somewhere where they felt comfortable and where they could relate to other individuals like themselves. And that has always been my mission. That has always been my goal. And that's actually the foundation that has kept me around for so long. Nice. So now you're primarily still focusing on one-on-one training? Yes. Yep. We do a lot of one-on-one and post-rehab. So really helping people function how the body was created to function. Absolutely. And then that's how we came to kind of know each other through the post-rehab and and creating connections for clients where um, we can we can work together to make sure they come out of the rehab process um, in the most optimal or optimized way possible, which is Absolutely. Great. And they have a plan. So they mm-hmm. don't leave one facility and go to the next and left on their own. They, they have a consistent blueprint of how to keep the momentum going, how to keep the healing and the activity going, whatever their activity is. Absolutely. So if you had to let everybody know what your ideal patient or the current, like if they walked into your studio, the the type of person they would see, sorry, client, not patient, but who would be the type of person? Is it um, like if you're reaching out to try to get somebody into your facility, your, your ideal client, who would that be as far as demographic wise? Is it your middle-aged stay-at-home mom? Is it your high-performing athlete? Do you have a specific population that you feel feels most comfortable in your facility? If I look at my current clientele and the client that I've had over the past 11 plus years, I would have to say it's that middle-aged individual, Mm -hmm. um, that individual that may have had injuries or have lost their momentum in exercise, and they just want to gain some sense of toneness or activity. And the most important part is that they realize that this is a journey. It's not something that happens overnight. It is a journey that can take years or months, but it's one that they want to be consistent with and Mm -hmm. they want to strive towards whatever their perfection is. Yeah. And in in us talking, it seems like your studio isn't one of these fitness entertainment spaces where there's a lot of turnover, where every six months the, the, the client gets bored and they move on to the next group exercise experience. In our discussions, it seems like you've kept people over years and different transitions in their lives, and you've been able to maintain a pretty steady client base over several years. What do you think makes you so special in your ability to do that outside of like you've been around the fitness space your whole life. You've mm-hmm. seen things come and go and people get bored and bounce from trainer to trainer or fitness um, business to fitness business. What do you think has helped you make, create the relationships to keep your clients coming back year after year after year? Because that's something special in this space. I, I agree. And it's rare. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think what I've focused on is giving that individual who's in front of me 100% of my attention, not focusing on what activities do I need to do to drum up the next round of business, but focusing on what I need to do to give that client their attention. Um, Also doing things outside of that 45 minute session with that client, sending birthday cards, sending flowers. If they're sick, bringing something to their home, having dinner with them, just building an overall relationship. And we pride ourselves of having 95% of our clients remain with us 10 plus years. And they love to talk about, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm her oldest client. I've been here since such and such. No, I've been here such and such amount of time. So to me, that is rewarding. Being invited to weddings, children's weddings, being part of uh, the clients who are having kids or being married. That is the relationships we look forward to and we want to build. Absolutely. And I think that's that's how we've kind of built the foundation of our business, too, is creating those relationships so that people don't just see us as a service industry. It's we want to become part of your lives because we really care about you first. And then, yeah, we want to help you and get you out of pain and whatever. Like we want to help your fitness improve. But it's also we care about you more as a person than whatever. Right. Yeah. And that's that's super, super important. Being able to come in and you feel comfortable. You feel like, oh, I feel comfortable with this person. I can have a conversation and the dialogue flows. And it's not just let me not talk. Let me get through this session and dread coming the next one. It's I'm looking forward to continuing those conversations or I'm looking forward to the dialogue we'll have while you're helping me get better. And I think that's so much lost in not just our industry, just across society as a whole right now is the connection, being able to listen and create the relationship so that we can make those just again, like we're the most what right now we're the most connected, unconnected society. Like nobody's like we're not creating these authentic relationships that really drive good mental health even right i i agree um and fitness is so interrelated with mental health like they're they're so intertwined like and people use it for different reasons that mm-hmm. if we can impact be the best part of someone's day to really help their their mental disposition the fitness comes along especially when you make it fun in the relationships there and and all that so that's great and i agree and i think That's one of the biggest takeaways from COVID Mm -hmm. is you realize during that time, the importance of connection, the importance of feeling like you matter and someone values you Mm -hmm. and just relaying that in every session, every conversation or every text interaction you have, I think is more important now than it's ever been before. Do you feel like COVID was helpful to your business in that way where you're able to spend more time maybe fostering so some of those connections? Like obviously as a small business, COVID was challenging for most everyone. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at the silver lining of it, do you feel that COVID was helpful in being able to further solidify some of those connections and make sure people knew that you were there for them? Oh, absolutely. Because even the clients that opted not to virtually train, it was still reaching out to them. Hey, are you okay? 
And yeah. some of those sessions turned from physical to just mental conversations, like just checking in. And it was more, we don't have to exercise. We can just talk. Mm -hmm. You can just talk to me about what's happening and just giving those connections, having a couple of clients that were friends that was used to coming in and exercising together. Hey, let's have coffee. Let's mm -hmm. sit outside. Let's go for an outdoor walk where we may just all be on phone call rather than a video or just sitting, reading a book, doing something. Mm -hmm. I think it allowed me to connect with my clients in a different way instead of just physical and in person, yeah. but more tap into that mental health and making sure they were okay outside of a financial connection, a physical connection or anything mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the people that did it right were the people that kind of took that slant on it and used it as a space to ma make sure that people knew they're really there for them and solidify the relationship because it was a struggle. Mm -hmm. I have to take a back, a step back sometimes. Like we were essential workers as physical therapists. So my life didn't change a ton. Like I was still going into work. I was still seeing people. But then when you hear the conversations around, well, no, like now I'm working from home and I'm not really seeing anybody. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're doing like a work team happy hour, but otherwise, like I've been in my house all week and I haven't even left the house and I've just been sitting in front of my computer or the TV. Like that was not good for people's mental health as a whole. And I think you're seeing that in some of the research that's coming out now. So the people that were really successful in maintaining those connections as a small business, I think came out on the other end in a very positive manner. And I think that works twofold. Even us as trainers or essential workers, we needed to be poured into too, because yeah. that was a lot of strain on us to uplift others or to be that spot of hope for others. So it's like we needed it too. So just yeah. as much as I needed my clients to pour into them, I needed that poured into me as well. So I think mm -hmm. it definitely gave me a different appreciation for that relationship as well. And that they did see me more than just their trainer and that they really did care about me and my well-being and mental health just as much as I cared about them. Yeah. And that's an interesting point, because I think as you know, we're service industry workers that really very often put others before ourselves. And that's our job. Like we become the mental therapist. We're also doing the physical stuff, but we're getting to know people and we're giving so much mm -hmm. of our time, of our mental health that it's really important to take a step back. And then you see your client saying, oh, wait, how can I help you, Elisa? Because I know you're going through a challenging time. And again, further solidifies the relationship that you have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings us into, we were talking a little bit before the podcast started of things you might want to touch on, but now that brings us into some of this next phase of your life, like you're still, you're, you're, you have this great established fitness business that's mm -hmm. going strong and you're doing great things, but now you've kind of gotten into, you've parlayed that into now a clothing brand that you're starting and yes. really focusing on motivating other people. And let's talk about that, how it's obviously a huge chance that you're taking and trying to start a, um, a brand in a very crowded space, mm -hmm. but you wanted mm -hmm. to get a little bit into like helping people understand, like taking a chance and motivating them. And, but tell us a little bit about your mindset of why you're starting this new clothing brand um, and some of the philosophies behind that. So one of the biggest lessons I've learned thus far in life is just betting on yourself first and taking a chance at your dreams and your visions and not being halted by fear or limits that either you put on yourself or others 
put on you and just saying, you know what, this is something I want to do. This is something that's intriguing to me. And then taking a chance, good, bad, or indifferent what the results are. It's something you're passionate about, something you feel is a need and a way to be a service to others. And then just really going for it a hundred percent. So being in the fitness industry and working with a lot of women, and I mean, men deal with this too, but because I have a majority of women, I can only speak of that, is not loving themselves, having very low self-image and being able to find clothes that make women feel good, make women feel valuable, make women just want to go out and conquer the world. And having been a retired bodybuilder, it's hard to find clothes when you are not straight up and down or you don't have what society calls the perfect body. And a lot of times that can really mess with you mentally if you try something on and it doesn't fit. It can give you a very negative feeling about how you feel about yourself and give you a sense of insecurity. Mm -hmm. So dealing with women for so many years and hearing their complaints about how clothes fit, how they feel, how they show up, depending on the outfit they wear or their arena they're in, it really had me thinking of if I can't find the right clothes, why not create it? Kind of like the same thing I did with Art Fitness. If I can't find the right gym that makes me feel good, why not create it? Mm -hmm. So funny backstory is I started researching this before the pandemic came out. Mm -hmm. And I started doing all my research on the different fabrics, the different brands. What was the trend? What wasn't the trend? Interviewing over a thousand of women to say, hey, if you could create your ideal pant top, so on and so forth, what would it be? And when the pandemic hit, it gave me a lot of downtime to take webinars, to learn more, to take classes all around fashion, the construction of clothing, um, the difference between knits and wovens and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so when the world kind of opened back up and I'm looking at other established brands, they're going in this direction of, it's called work leisure wear. Mm -hmm which is just clothes that have a four-way stretch that can be worn at work, at home, at the gym. And I thought it was very funny that this was my concept beforehand. Mm -hmm. So I decided to launch this brand called Sisu Athletics, which is just using performance fabric. Mm -hmm. uh, transitional essential pieces that just make women look good and feel amazing. And we're more body inclusive which means we are focusing on the shape of a woman, not her size. So we look at how today's woman is shaped and we create mm -hmm. apparel based around her shape and what's going to make her feel comfortable and give her that polished look rather than what size she wears. So it's mm -hmm. been exciting and it's been fun. And a lot of my clients are so excited to not only wear the clothes, but to also support another adventure. I think that's great. And I, I love how you were able to use the pandemic where may, uh, so many people, especially in our industry, had a little bit of downtime to mm -hmm. really take on a new challenge so that, again, like you're, you're set up on the end of the pandemic to hopefully provide women with this clothing that has almost become the train trend, like this leisure wear, like work leisure wear. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. fun. It's, I didn't realize that there's so much goes into creating clothes. And now oh, I'm just I'm like, sure. Oh my God, I look at workout clothes completely different. I look at dress clothes completely different. Mm -hmm. Now my clients, when they come in, I'm looking at their body 
but now I'm looking at it from an apparel eye instead of just the fitness eye. And I'm just like, oh, what type of top is that? What size is that top? What if it fit like this? What if it fit like that? Mm -hmm. And then it's having them look at clothes differently as well. And it just goes back to that whole mental health where Mm -hmm. you're teaching individuals how to love their body, how to work on their body and realize that it's going to take time to get them where they want. And then they look at clothes the same way. Like, I don't have to be worried about the number on the tag. I'm just worried about how it fits, how it makes me feel and make that connection more than a negative connection. So it's been fun. It's been a long journey, but it's been fun. I'm sure. I'm sure. And now you're going to help impact mental health through the clothing, helping women feel good. And then you can like mix your own fitness brand into it. And like, yeah, so good. But tell me, I mean, you, um, you know, you're a middle-aged woman and now you're taking on this huge challenge of creating mm-hmm. a clothing line. Like what was your motivation in, in doing so? I think my motivation is just using myself as a mirror canvas and mm-hmm. realizing how many limits I put on me, mm-hmm. how many fears I've had that have stopped me from going with a thought that I had, going with a vision or even trying to do something. Yeah. And just saying, you know what? I am middle-aged. I have more time behind me than I do in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's time to let go of the fears and just say, you know what? I'm doing it. If it yeah. doesn't work, then I learned something. Maybe I can motivate and encourage someone else. Um, if it does great, then I have a great retirement ahead of me. Mm-hmm. But I do everything with the intent to help motivate and encourage someone else and to help someone have a better learning curve than I did. And just to pour into any individual that I come in contact with, like as I'm talking to people and they're like, wow, you know, I've always wanted to run a business or I've always wanted to launch this. And I'm like, we'll do it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I just, you're, you're so right. And, and, being a business owner is scary, definitely. And there's risks involved. Mm-hmm. And so many people hold themselves back, whether you're built to be an entrepreneur or not, like so many people, it's their own thoughts that hold mm-hmm. back their own actions, where mm-hmm. if they just had a little bit more belief in themselves, they could accomplish so much greater things and not mm-hmm. feel like they're stuck in this rut of just going through the hamster wheel every day, like right. living life with a purpose. And so many people, I think, just hold themselves back from really reaching their true potential. And I think that's an important lesson to learn here, where even if you are a middle-aged woman who feels like most of her life is behind her, why can't you start something that's going to create real change and really serves to your passion? Oh, absolutely. And it's just, I think a lot of times when you look in social media or just the media in general, it tells you that you have to compete with this person and that's what success looks like. But at the end of the day, you're really competing with yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. how do I make myself a better person today than I was yesterday? How can I take one step further than what I did yesterday? Like same with my clients. You start with fives, you move Mm -hmm. to eights, you move to tens. Who says you have to go to 20? Your happy place can be the tens Mm -hmm. and you still are a lot more successful than you were the day before. And it's the same thing with starting a business. You don't have to be the next big box anything. Yeah. Your success can be, who did you speak to today and you encouraged them? Did you do something today that you truly enjoyed 
Did you smile at someone? Did you hold the door open for someone? If you launched a business, did you get one new customer? Did you get more views? You gauge what your level of success is. Nobody yeah. else. Exactly. What's the quote? Comparison is the thief of joy. Have you heard Very that much before? So. I have. <laughs> yeah. And it's really like, can you just be one day better? Because I might be comparing my year one to your year 10. Yeah. Right. And and I can't tell you how many times you like in social media it just proliferates this where mm-hmm. people just post the good. They're never posting the bad. Ever. And you see this happy family picture. And then next month, the parents are getting divorced. Mm-hmm. And I you're think- like, oh, wait, I thought you guys were happy. I just saw this picture that you just took. Like, so it's really like if you just really take a step back and you don't get bogged down by all of the outward social media stuff and comparing yourself to others, you're like, okay, like you said, am I one day better? Am I really just spreading good through the world? You're, to me, you're just going to be, a, if you cut out all of the noise, you're going to end up being a happier person for yourself with the mm-hmm. translate to those around you and being able to impact others and really serve your true purpose. Oh, agree a hundred percent. I think my biggest aha moment with that is when I did four years of competitive bodybuilding Mm -hmm. leading up to it, you see these great bodies and you're like, oh, I want to have a body like that. And then you start working towards it. Mm -hmm. And all they do is post the workouts, the food, the wonderful results. They don't talk about the sore body. They don't talk about the tiredness, the grumpy, the no energy. They don't mm-hmm. talk about any of that. And it's just yep. like, oh, I wish somebody would have told me this before I started. And it's just like, yeah. you really start looking at social media different. Like, I love the end results, but mm-hmm. what did it take to get there? What was the journey and the process to get there? Whenever yeah. I talk to someone that's accomplished, I love seeing their accomplishments, but I'm more concerned with how did you get there? What were mm-hmm. the obstacles you had to overcome? What were some of the most difficult challenges you face getting to where you are? Mm -hmm. Because those, to your point, people don't talk about. They don't talk about those struggles, those difficulties. You just see the great things. And for me, the learning is in that journey. Absolutely. And then that's where you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to really grow, both mm-hmm. you know, in all realms of wellness, the emotional, the spiritual, the mm-hmm. fitness, the you know, all of it is um and I think just as a society, we're so now accustomed to being just complacent almost and mm-hmm. just comfortable in our situations. And it's really making, putting yourself in this uncomfortable situation. Like you really have control of your situation. Absolutely. You just might need to be willing to go into this uncomfortable place for a couple months or maybe even a year to, to just change your situation entirely. But you can be a completely different person in six months. Absolutely. It's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. No, go ahead. (laughs) Being an entrepreneur is uncomfortable. Every day is uncomfortable. It's great. Mm -hmm. It's rewarding, but you stay in a world of being uncomfortable, but the rewards outweigh the negatives that come with it. Yeah, absolutely. I don't disagree. So anybody listening, the message from that what, 10 minutes is put your, be uncomfortable, be comfortable being uncomfortable and like use that as an opportunity to grow and learn and don't worry about compare, comparing yourself to others, but just compare yourself to how you were yesterday. And how you're going to be, you know, like just take those small incremental steps forward. It's that's, that's a great summary. Yeah. Well, even like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just amazed at this like 
this journey you've taken with the fit with the apparel brand, right? Because mm-hmm. if I take a step back, that just seems like this huge daunting task where it's like, all right, there's these Nike, there's the Nikes and the Under Armors and the Lululemons and all of these huge brands. And I wouldn't even know where to start in creating a piece of apparel, right? And it would just say, like, I don't know where to start and having to do this. Where do you find the funds? All of this. So it's amazing to me that you've taken on this journey. And over the last, well, if COVID was, say, three years ago now, like Mm -hmm. in three years, you've been able to bring a concept to just about launching it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a journey I would overtake as a (laughs) middle-aged man. It just seems daunting. So I'm like, I'm super impressed. But you know what motivated me was looking at these brands that I loved, finding out who the founders were mm-hmm. and how they start. Yeah. What the interviews that they did not a few years ago, but almost at the beginning. Let me find interviews from five years ago, six years ago, as far back as I can find. Mm-hmm. And let me read what did they go through? What motivated them to do this? How did they get funding? What set them up for funding? What made them um, what made them attractive to investors to get funding, mm-hmm. looking at what other brands were doing. And then after you look at the big brands, then you start scaling back to the smaller and smaller and smaller brands. And then you build your blueprint mm-hmm. and you figure it out. And for me, I love learning. I'm always a sponge looking to learn something and to be challenged and to be put in uncomfortable arenas. All I couldn't tell you the first working of a sewing machine, mm-hmm. but I am signed up to take a sewing class and a pattern making class and learn more about it. I'm looking at fabrics, I'm stretching them and I'm pulling things apart and trying to learn. And to me, it's just amazing. And it's like, if I can encourage someone else who don't know where to start, how to start, mm-hmm. that could be the little seed that pushes them to live a life of purpose get away from fear and say, you know what? I can do this. If someone can do it, who has no knowledge, no experience and no background, I can definitely do it. Yeah. And when you take a step back and you really are introspective about who you were at the beginning, beginning of the process to mm-hmm. who you are now, it would be interesting to hear some insight into that. Like, are you a completely different person? Mm-hmm. Are you taking on, do you, do you have a different view of the world now that you're you're starting this venture like what, do you have some takeaways over the last couple of, like again you've established this great fitness business and small business 11 years is an amazing accomplishment mm-hmm. you're taking on this new venture three years ago how i'm sure you can say how you've changed over the last 11 years with your fitness Absolutely. business what about these last three and taking on a completely new venture you really knew nothing about besides wearing their clothes and being an, a fitness athlete Mm -hmm. I would say my biggest takeaway is to never doubt your potential Mm -hmm. and that everyone can teach you something. So each one of my clients have taught me something different, whether it's something different about myself, whether it's exposed me to a different area of life that I wouldn't have been exposed to had I not met them. And as much as I pour into them, they pour into me. Mm -hmm. I've always been a type of person where I kept to myself. I didn't talk about a lot what's going on with me. I was always motivating others, motivating others and not filling my cup. Mm -hmm. So a lot of clients have taught me if you speak to others and you talk to others and you inform others what you have going on, 
they can then pour into you, whether it's other relationships, other ways of thinking of things, or other ways of accomplishing what your end goal is. So my clients come from every walk of life. And when I tell you, they've taught me so many different things of how to look at opportunities, different perspective, and your way is not always the right way. And Mm -hmm. just having that wide variety of life experiences and how they see things that you may not see it is priceless. And then I think that speaks to then opening up your ears to be li- to listen, to be able to communicate effectively starts with being able to listen, because again, like anybody, everybody can offer a little piece of advice or some perspective. Everybody has different life experiences and, and sometimes the best gems come from the most innocuous conversation. Yeah. And having or- that ability to, like you said, listen, we all want to talk. We always want to get our point across, but when you just listen, Everybody wants to be heard. And some of the amazing things come when you just listen and say nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that speaks to even not like listening is a huge skill that like I've worked on because you don't want to be thinking about the next thing you're going to say to get your point across before I'm hearing what you're going to say. And it's just that skill in listening and conversation and making sure that you come, um, you can learn something from everyone. So that's, that's great. That's a great, great perspective. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I wouldn't have had it had I not opened this business and it came from not entrepreneur world or a fitness world prior to this. Mm-hmm. So to take that bet on yourself, walk in your purpose and 11 plus years later, still be standing. Yeah. My clients have got given me a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. and I'm very appreciative of it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So when does your um, apparel brand launch? So because there are still a lot of industry slow slow spots with mm-hmm. getting product, people are still affected with COVID. Yeah. Um, had you asked me that a few months ago, I would say this year. Yeah. But now it's looking more beginning of next year. Okay. But um, I would say within the next year. So that was one, I would say, one of my biggest lessons when wanting to launch this brand mm-hmm. is I had to let go of a time frame. Yeah. Because you're like, all right, I'm launching this fall. And then mm-hmm. there's another stale point or another obstacle where there's a delay. And it's like, okay, so we won't launch this fall. Can I launch this year? Mm-hmm. Eh, we'll see. We'll see. So um, definitely at the latest, I'll say spring of next year. We are so definitely on target. 23. Yep. yep. 23. So, so tell me that that has to give you some interesting life lessons where there's so many now things outside of your control and you're go, go, go. I want to launch it by now. And then people are saying, well, yeah, that's not going to be possible. What, what kind what lessons have you learned from that? Patience. Where <laughs> <laughs> Patience. I have never been a patient person. Mm-hmm. I want it now. I want it yesterday and I want it exactly how I want it. Yeah. So this has truly taught me patience. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's bring this f- full circle back into fitness, <laughs> where patience and consistency will are probably the biggest things in getting the results that you want. <laughs> nice. That is spot on. <laughs> spot um, on. But then too, like with the, the business, again, like you're you're 10, you're 11 years in, we're eight going on nine years in. It's if it and now you're you're nine year, you're 11 years into your fitness business, but now you're two or three years into this apparel company. It's almost like the same rules that apply to fitness apply to business where patience and consistency, if you 
you know, you stay consistent in meeting your daily goals, it'll come. You can't give up because a small business didn't work out a year into it or your fitness routine didn't work out. You're not seeing the results you wanted six months to a year into it. It's still like you just have to be comfortable with the process and understand great things come with time. Oh, 100 percent. That's life. That's our yeah. journey on life to master that, which is the hardest thing. And it's just to your point, being consistent in whatever that is, mm -hmm. being consistent and showing up for yourself. So for me, it's even with the apparel, when it looked like it wasn't going to happen, or it looks like there was too many obstacles and I teetered on that. Should I keep going? Should I stop? Mm -hmm. Am I too far in to save my losses and not have any more losses? And then it's just like, oh, if I don't do this. I'm going to have regrets. What if I push a little bit more? And then you push a little bit more and you accomplish something else. And that reignites that fuel. And it's like, okay, let me push a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Let me think of another way of how to, to get this end goal. Because yeah. maybe the straight line I thought I was going is no longer the straight line. And now it's, I make a left, I make a right, I make a left. But I'm still on that path of that end goal. It's the same thing. I can't tell you how many days I wake up and I'm like, I do not feel like working out. Mm -hmm. I just want to go get me a good meal that's not good for me and just say the heck yep. with it. But then I'm like, nope, I'm going to keep going on this path. And then you just feel so good. And then you look back and you're like, wow, this is where I came from. This mm -hmm. is what I've accomplished just by doing these small little things every single day. It's Again, patience and consistency. Absolutely. And sometimes what keeps me motivated in the like times when I don't want to do something, it's like most people stop right before their big breakthrough. Absolutely. So like just take another step today. It doesn't have to be 10 steps, but just, you know, today I'm not super motivated. I'll take one step. Yep. Tomorrow, hopefully I'm a little more motivated. I'll take 10. And then, yeah, just the consistency of showing up. Mm -hmm. You just have to be willing to take the risk. Mm -hmm. You're willing to challenge yourself. Motivation is not always going to be there. But if you maintain the discipline to just continue to take a step forward every day, whether it's fitness or a new business or whatever, um, hopefully that helps you create this life that you want and you can get out of whatever rut or whatever you're, you're in. Yeah. Absolutely. And every day isn't a 10 day. Mm -hmm. On those days where I am not motivated and I feel like doing nothing, it's like, OK, it's one thing I can do today. Today mm -hmm. is a one day. Yeah. What is that one thing? And that one thing may be folding a blouse. It may mm -hmm. be writing one line in a journal. It may be making one phone call and it's like, all right, I did my one day. Mm -hmm. I'm good. Maybe yep. tomorrow will be a 10 day and I'll go at it harder than ever. But today is mm -hmm. the one day and not beating yourself up. We're good at beating ourselves up and kicking us when we're down instead of just saying, no, this is okay. This yep. is okay that this is where I am. I'll do better tomorrow and then I'll do better. And when I'm feeling above myself or I'm feeling really good, I'll go hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. You just got to show up. Show up. Show up. <laughs> nice. Um, so I love it. This has been great. Um, anything else you want to hit before what I typically do? I didn't tell you this. We're going to surprise you now is I do. I end every podcast with a final five questions that are just rapid fire. Give everybody a little bit more insight into who Elisa is. They're this fun. This could be tricky. This could be so tricky. fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything you want to touch on before we close it out with these final five questions and closing thoughts? I would just say if I had to give a quick little synopsis to motivate people, bet on yourself, walk yeah. in your purpose, 
release all limits and have the best life ever. Love it. So good. All right. So along those lines, what would be your walkout song? Ooh, my walkout song. Cozy by Beyonce. Okay. <laughs> That's the first time we've had that one on this on this podcast. Well, she just what released is... the album, so how could I not? I love it. She's great. I love Beyonce. Yeah. Even back to the Destiny's Child days. Yes. What is your favorite exercise? Oh, anything that has to do with legs. Okay. Um, one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? French fries. Like truffle fries or just a regular just good old French any fry? Any type of fries. Loaded fries, waffle fries, just French fries. Love it. You're, do you, along those lines, do you have a guilty pleasure? Mm, limoncello. Okay. It's good. I like where this is going. Limoncello <laughs> and French fries. Good times. Yep. And then what um, What do you like most about the Philadelphia area? The variety of activities. There's mm-hmm. always something to do to experience new cultures, new experiences. It's just a hodgepodge of culture, activities, and history. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't disagree with that at all. There's always something to do and yeah. do whatever your interest is. You can find something. Mm-hmm. Yes, it nice. is. All right. Um, well, in any um, in closing, do you want to let people know how they can get in contact with you to find out about both um, art fitness or your new clothing line? How can they get in touch with you to find out about everything you're doing if they want to become clients? Um, best best way that they can contact you. Absolutely. We are on all social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram for art fitness. It's just at art fitness. For Sisu Athletics, which is spelled S-I-S-U, is Sisu underscore athletics. Or on Facebook, it is Sisu Athletics. We appreciate you for taking the time to, to talk to us. And, and guys, please reach out. Elise is doing amazing things with both her fitness and apparel companies. Um, so make sure you guys check her out. Um, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Hey, hold on a second. Don't leave yet. This is your host, Dr. John Herding, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Fitness Philadelphia. If you did, I'm going to ask you to do three simple things. They take less than five minutes, and they go such a long way, we really do appreciate it. Number one, please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to it, iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it may be. Number two, please leave us a favorable review. Number three, share it. Put it on social media, talk about it with your friends, send it in a text message, whatever you can do to share this episode because we put a lot of work into it and we want to make sure as many people are getting the value out of it as possible. And lastly, if you'd like to learn more, please go to precisionperformancept.com backslash fitness Philadelphia. Thank you so much. This is Dr. John Herding. This is Fitness Philadelphia and have a great day.